The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Feeling better? Looking better? Making life better? It's Life Tips. Life Tips. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Welcome your hosts, Byron White and Amanda Connor. Hey, everybody. We are back this week with Life Tips Radio, and Byron may or may not be joining us. We're not sure yet. He's working on a, a great new content marketing webinar, so he's uh, he's been running in and out of the office all day putting things together. So he may or may not join us later. We'll keep our fingers crossed. But until then, we are going to be joined this week by my all-time favorite I hate to gush, but my all-time favorite freelance writer, Joe Wallace, who's going to be joining us to talk to us a little bit more about some of the online commu- uh, freelance writing communities that are out there, how to get more involved with uh, freelance writing, and, and sort of how to break into the industry if you've never done it before. So we'll be joined by Joe Wallace in just a minute. Live Tips will be right back after this short break. Are you happy with your landing page performance? Discover how to improve your landing page performance with ConversionCritic.com. Brought to you by Engine Ready. Turn your underperforming landing pages into cost-effective sales-producing machines. Be sure you're not wasting your precious PPC budget. Conversion Critic tools give you the ingredients to create high-converting landing pages. You don't have to be an expert to use Engine Ready's Conversion Critic tools, but you'll feel like a landing page pro. Take the guesswork out of increasing your conversion rate. Visit ConversionCritic.com and boost your conversion rate for free. That's www.ConversionCritic.com. Does your website need a bailout? Looking for a conversion rate stimulus package? Do you need a website improvement to-do list? On Target, a subscription service from FutureNow and Brian Eisenberg, monitors your website 24-7, analyzing the actions of every potential customer. It gives you a to-do list. It tells you exactly what to fix and how to fix it so that more of your visitors do what you need them to do. On Target pricing starts at $1,000 a month. See more at futurenowinc.com slash on target. I'm Brian Eisenberg and I approve this message. Hey, have you got the number for Jerry's Pizza? Look it up on localpages.com. Localpages.com on what if I wanted a business number in Miami? Localpages.com. Can people find your business online? Be seen with localpages.com on every local listing in all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, MSN, and Ask. With over 6 billion quality searches a month and bids starting as low as one cent get connected with local consumers at the exact moment that they're looking for you. San Francisco, Green Bay, London. I told you. Localpages.com. List your business on localpages.com now and get $100 in free local advertising. Localpages.com bringing your neighborhood to you. Mobile Presence, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm and now, back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Hey, everybody. We are back, and we're joined this week by Joe Wallace. Joe, are you here with us? Hi, Amanda. Hey, what's going on? I 
you know, it's so great to talk to you on air because I talk to you on the phone at least once a week. We're always doing assignments together. So I'm going to turn the tables on you this week, and I want to learn more about what you do all day instead of dealing with, uh, you know, sending you more assignments. So <laughs> let's just jump right into it. You run FreelanceZone.com, which is a, a great online community for freelancers. Tell me a little bit more about that. FreelanceZone.com, uh, the, the URL is uh, freelance-zone.com. Uh, that's actually, uh, I always have to spell it out for people because it's not all one word. But uh, we've been online since 2003, and the website has really evolved a lot since very humble beginnings back then. Um, it was almost more like a, more of a resume site when it first started out back then. But we have basically evolved into an, an advice and lifestyle website for freelancers. And what we like to do is to kind of throw a, a combination of information up there, uh, not just stuff about the craft of writing and the, and the mechanics of freelancing, but also things about finances and, you know, the, the, the perils and pitfalls that can rise up along the way that can get you in trouble if you're not aware of them. And we like to do lifestyle stuff. So we write about destinations for writers, writers' retreats, and uh, vacation spots for writers. And sometimes it's just something simple like a good coffee shop in, in uh, an area that we visited when we were doing travel writing or something like that. So there's a lot of different things going on, but basically it's aimed at the whole freelance lifestyle. How long have you yourself been involved in freelance writing? I started around 2002. Uh, my first actual freelance publication credit was with Indie Slate magazine uh, way, way back in uh, the early 2000s. Uh, I was doing uh, uh, film festival reviews, basically. And so my, uh, my first credit was actually a pretty good credit, uh, you know, a newsstand uh, credit, which a lot of freelancers, uh, you know, that's not a common experience for people. Uh, I just happened to be at the right place in the right time. Uh, my writing partner, Catherine Tully, had a similar experience. Her first publication credit was Boy's Life, and that's a pretty heavy hitting credit for somebody who's new to the game, you know. And when we first started out, you know, we, we just both happened to be at the right place at the right time. And then sometimes that's what freelancing is all about, is just being there and recognizing an opportunity and going for it. Mm-hmm. Now, actually, Catherine Tully is also one of the the writers through Life Tips and Idea Launch. I know she's she's done work for loads of other clients, but she works with us, and she's one of my other favorite writers. So, um, you know, big fan of Catherine. Um, tell me a little bit more about what it's like to be a freelance writer. What what do you do in the course of a day? How do you start your day? How do you end your day? How do you keep yourself on target? Well, you know, the greatest thing about freelancing is the commute is, you know, from the bedroom to the coffee pot to the computer. <laughs> and uh, so what I basically do, I get up early. Um, you know, one of the perks of freelancing is you can sleep in, but I, I find my days are most productive when I get up around 6 or 7 and uh, start getting caffeinated and start looking over the day's tasks. And what I usually do is sit down and get all the correspondence out of the way first thing and, you know, touch base with clients and editors and just basically anybody that I might owe something to for that day. And then once all that stuff is off off my plate, I, I start working on the actual writing. And I'd like to knock out most of my assignments as early as I can so that I can, in the afternoon, sit down and start reaching out to look for more work, uh, doing queries to magazines or uh, doing story pitches to editors, things like that, and, uh, you know, checking to see if there are uh, assignments from Life Tips, things like, you know, of that nature. And, you know, really, it depends on the day, but uh, I try not to structure it too much, but that's pretty much how it goes, you know. I, I, I like to just kind of... Uh, 
start simple and, and build the day up. Now, what's the hardest part of being a freelance writer, and what are some of the pitfalls that, that freelance writers encounter? New freelancers have a hard time sometimes with the lack of structure. There's no boss breathing down your neck, or so it seems. I mean, you still work for an editor. You know, you still work for someone who's giving you an assignment, but it's, you know, it's all long distance, and there, there's, no, there's nobody to keep you honest except for yourself. And building the discipline to get up and do those things every day that you need to survive, not just the actual writing, but, you know, treating your freelance work as a business and, and really marketing yourself well. Those are things that new freelancers really struggle with, and what you've got to do is have a business plan. You've really got to map out your own personal strategy and make goals for yourself and say, you know, even to go so far as to say, I'd like to earn X amount of dollars this month, and I'd like to reach out to this many editors or take this many assignments. You know, planning your business is a real big important part of this like any business i mean if you opened up a storefront and you were selling cds or or photographs or paintings or whatever you know you would do the same thing and freelance writing isn't any different just because you're sitting at home working in your pajamas and uh, one of the big pitfalls that i personally faced uh was with taxes and you know freelancing is one of those careers where you know a simple lack of information can actually cost you a lot of money and if you don't understand what the implications are when you start earning you know in the beginning stages of your career your freelance income is not a lot and as you build an experience and build clips you know your your income gets higher and higher and at some point you're going to be faced with this dilemma about your taxes and you've got to you really got to talk to a tax pro and find out what your options are, not just for deductions and, you know, can I write off my home office and things like that, but also how much money should I be investing in a self-employed IRA and how does that help me with my tax dollars and, you know, what's my tax bottom line if I don't invest that money? You've really got to get the advice of a tax pro. So long story short, the idea of being a freelance writer sounds phenomenal. Work at home, make your own hours, work in your pajamas. But at the end of the day, it's actually really hard work, and it takes a lot of footwork to get those, those jobs and to remain structured, right? It does, because you're, you're, on a, you're sort of on a treadmill because when the work is coming in that month, and you've got checks in your mailbox, you know, things are great. But you've got to constantly look to the horizon and plan for the next move. Uh, it's, it's not enough to say, well, you know, I've made my goal for this month. You, you've always got to be looking ahead, and you've always got to take uh, at least that mental next step towards setting yourself up for the next round of assignments and checks and, you know, April 15th is coming. How far away is that? How much time do I have to invest in my self-employed IRA? You know, how much do I need to do? How many deductions have I taken this year? Do I need to take more? You know, do I need to do some business travel? That sort of thing. So uh, an important skill to develop for anybody who wants to become a freelancer is to that forward thinking. Always look to the horizon. Always think about the future. Now, what's really helpful in terms of being an editor working with freelance writers is to have really open communication with, with my writers. I know that whenever you're going on vacation or Catherine, you guys always end up shooting me an email and saying, hey, just so you know, for the next you know three weeks, I'm not going to be around, but here's when I'll be back. It, it, it sounds weird having to check in regarding your social life with a lot of the editors that you work with, but I've found that that, that open stream of communication and you know being able to, to give feedback in a very honest and, and safe forum is, is really what what keeps me coming back to the same freelance writers time and again? 
And, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I was just talking to a new freelancer who was afraid to go on vacation because they were afraid of uh, missing work or, or having an editor get cold on them because they weren't always available. And what I told them was there is two things at work here. As long as you communicate with your editor and let them know, hey, I'm going to be gone from this time to this time, and as long as you let them know, hey, I'm back, and you're, you're basically on that person's radar, you really shouldn't cheat yourself on any downtime that you can get away with taking because there are going to be times when you're so busy you can't get the downtime. And avoiding burnout is a huge thing when you're a freelancer because it's always tempting to take on more work. And, you know, there are lean times, and when you get past those lean times, you, you're, the tendency is to grab more work than you should to, to make up for that. And so when you do have a chance to get away, you should take it. But it just takes a little bit of planning and communicating to let the editor know, hey, I'm gone for this amount of time, and then to come back and say, hey, I'm back, I'm ready for some more work. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk a little bit about freelance writing etiquette. You know, say you take on a project that you just can't do, you know, whether you get sick or whether you just realize that it's, it's more than you've been off more than you can chew or, you know, you just don't have the time to finish it. What's some of the etiquette that you've learned along the way with, you know, communication in terms of, of a problem like that? I think being op- upfront and open is one of the most important things you can do. If you know you're getting in over your head, let the, the editor know as quickly as you can and let them know, you know, hey, I, I'm definitely up for more work, but this particular situation, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, I'm, I'm too busy or I don't have the expertise that I thought or the research isn't coming the way, you know, just being honest. I think goes a long way towards, uh, you know, sort of softening the blow of having to take a project and say, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Now, and, I'm actually, I'm, I'm on Freelance Zone right now, and I'm looking through some, some of the older articles you've got up here. Some of the top five, the top five habits of overworked writers. Did you, did you write this article? That sounds like me. I think that was mine, yeah. <laughs> so uh, some, of, some of the um, problems that I'm looking over, taking on gigs without checking your deadline, uh, giving your existing editors or clients the short shrift. Tell me a little bit more about that one. You know, when you've already got five projects in the hopper and project number six comes along and you say, yeah, I can do it, and then you find that you can't give that project the right amount of attention and you start phoning it in, you know, the way musicians do sometimes when they've just played too many shows and they're not really into it. And you can tell, you know, if you've been to a bad concert, it's obvious when those guys don't care. And it's the same thing with writing. You know, that that being stretched too thin does show up in your copy and in your articles. And if you're not fully invested in what you're writing, you know, a good editor, an experienced editor can tell. You might be able to fool somebody who hasn't been doing it for a while, but anybody who's been editing for longer than six months can say, oh, you know, you weren't really paying that much attention to this. And I think that writers sometimes forget that editors are writers too, and they've been there and they've got the experience to see when somebody has just overcommitted and they're not really, again, invested in the work. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? It's funny that you should bring that up. It is so easy to tell after you've been editing for a while who's you know who's been invested in what they're writing, and and you can you can read the heart and soul that's gone into what they're writing versus someone who just kind of phoned it in because they're too tired or they're just not interested in what they're writing about. Huge differences, you know, which which translates to a, a difference in pay, a difference in future gigs. You know, it's it's really hard to to always be able to put your best foot forward on some of these projects. But, you know, there's a huge difference between when you do and when you don't. 
sometimes just asking for a little extra time can help because, you know, uh, not every single deadline that's ever come down the pike is, is set in stone. You know, you, you, a lot of people don't realize that their editors are flexible and that they build in, you know, flexibility into some of their projects because they, they know that they have other things you know, that they need to, to, to tend to. And sometimes you say, hey, listen, I just need a day or two to, to make this shine. Can, you know, can you work with me? You know, it's a two-way street in the same way that um, editors want writers to work with them. You know, writers can, can work with their editors and, and get more time. And, again, it's just about being honest and transparent and, you know, sometimes just sucking it up and saying, hey, uh, I really want to get this done, but I just need a little extra time. Mm-hmm. Now, when should a freelance writer know when it's, a good idea to negotiate for better payment or when they should just, you know, stick to their stick to what they're doing and, and take what's handed to them. You know, a lot of times in the early days of of the freelance career, when you're not really sure what your time is worth, it's tough to place the right value on it. And, you know, a lot of freelancers are guilty of sort of undervaluing the time. And you, when you start to take on other projects from different sources and you see how much other people are willing to pay versus how much you've been paid, you get, I think you get perspective. And you start to see, and you know, sometimes the same amount of work isn't necessarily worth the same amount of pay. I think that if you're talking about um, if somebody wants you to write 700 words and they want to pay you X amount of money for something that's going to go into a newsletter or, uh, you know, a blog post, um, that's something that shows up and then goes away very quickly. But if the same person comes back and they want you to write the same amount of words except it's something that's sort of critical to the website and will stay up and will last a long time, that 700 words is probably worth a lot more. So sometimes it depends on what the content's being used for, and and sometimes it's it's more about well, what's the time investment here? You know, am I am I being uh, required to do five hours of research and you know ninety minutes worth of writing, or you know is this research you know going into the double digit hours? You know how how much time are you spending on that project versus you know the the, the compensation? So. As as you get more experience, you start to see, well, you know, my ability to research and write this is X, and the amount of money that's worth equals Y. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, sometimes uh, the project or the client might dictate, you know, that you raise or lower your expectations for, for the pay. And, you know, there are clients, as as you get more experience as a freelancer and as you build up, you know, more contacts. You know, there are people that you're willing to do favors for, and there are people that, you know, the work is a little more involved and intricate, and maybe they send it back for rewrites every time, and, you know, you automatically know when you take that job, yeah, I'm going to be committed to doing X amount of rewrites or revisions because I know this client. So, you know, you're probably going to want to adjust your fees accordingly. So, it, I mean, it's really a situational thing. I don't think there's any hard and fast. I mean, I, I could not assign a fixed dollar value to my time. I, t- I try and take it all according to those kinds of factors and, and just try and be fair. And, you know, and some, some clients have really low budgets. And, you know, you work with them to, to stay within budget. And, you know, everybody helps each other out. And, you know, yeah, sometimes you're going to accept lower pay because they just don't have the budget, 
You know, I mean, uh, Joe Blow's website doesn't have the same budget as a big corporate site, and, you know, you can bill accordingly. Mm-hmm. Now, how how important do you think it is for freelance writers these days to have a, a better understanding of how to use SEO in their writing? SEO is so important in, in a lot of different ways because we're, we're talking about really the nuts and bolts of being discovered on the Internet. Mm-hmm. And I think that SEO is important not just for your paid writing, but also for things like your resume site and blogging. And, you know, in the early days of SEO, it was kind of crude, and people were, kind of, were stuffing phrases into their articles and things like that. And this has developed and evolved and refined to a point where, you know, you can write SEO-optimized material without it looking clunky and awkward and looking like you're just setting things up for Google. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things, if your work is going to appear online, you want the search, search engines to be able to grab it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Google has ruled the whole thing for a long time, but along comes Bing, and there are a couple of interesting, you know, side issues as a result of that. You know, how do you get indexed on Bing and how, you know, how much of a factor is this? Is this just a fad that's going to go away at some point or are they a major player or a major player to be? And really, you know, when you first start writing, you're not thinking about any of that stuff. You're not thinking, I need to be tech savvy and web savvy. And it's like, you, you want to write. But as you grow a freelance career, you start realizing that there are other issues, including, you know, being web savvy and, you know, do you know how to use WordPress and do you know why Google indexes things the way it does? Those are all issues that are important to your career and can earn you more money if you just get a simple grasp of them. Mm-hmm. Now, from a, a more selfish standpoint, from an editorial standpoint, I know that when I'm reviewing when I'm reviewing new resumes, and we probably get you know, 20, 30, maybe even 40 new resumes a week, um, the first thing I look for is SEO knowledge. You know, once I see that magical word in the resume, then I can sit down and really comb through. But you know, if, I, if I look in someone's resume says, you know, I'm, I've always been interested in freelance writing, I'd like to give it a shot, and there's no SEO knowledge at all on this paper, then you know, I, have to, I have to admit it's going to take me far longer to train a, a new writer in, in all of the SEO background knowledge that they're going to need to be able to be a good freelance writer than to just take someone on board who already has that SEO training. And it's, it's really not difficult for um, new writers to go out and find courses, great online courses. Simpo Institute does a lot of really great online uh, SEO courses that explain you know, how SEO works, how to incorporate it you know, seamlessly into what you're writing. And you're absolutely right. It is one of the most important things that we're working with these days is, is optimizing for websites. And, you know, it's funny because Google itself publishes guides uh, on how to, you know, create websites that are Google-friendly, and, you know, they have things, they have do's and don'ts, and you can learn a lot just by studying, you know, what's, what's available, you know, right there on Google. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not, you know, these are not things you have to run out and, and pay money to learn. It's all available on the web, and, you know, this is a, it's a time investment, sure, but, you know, it's definitely worth your time, and it, and it can be worth a lot of money. Now, switching gears on you a little bit, what happens when you get writer's block? How, you know, this could happen to new writers, old writers, people have been doing it for years. What happens? Is that, is that maybe one of the scariest things that can happen when you're under deadline is to hit a writer's block? 
You know, I, I hate to say this because I know it's, how it's going to sound, and I've actually written about this on Freelance Zone. I don't really believe in writer's block, but what I do think happens is that people sit there and they write for so long that they, they're just burned out. Mm-hmm. It's not, I don't think, I think that writer's block has been misunderstood. I think it's, it's more a question, that the ideas are there somewhere. It's not that you can't write. It's just that you've, you've, you've pounded yourself into the ground by working too hard, and you haven't stepped away from the infernal machine, as I call it, for a, for a long time. Mm-hmm. So the key is to just walk away and do something else. I mean, there's this, <laughs> there's this great old story about Archimedes trying to figure out this problem, and his wife goes, you've been, you've been at this for, for a long time. Why don't you just take a bath and forget about it? And he takes a bath, and while he's in there forgetting about it, the solution comes to him right away. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's really, that is really the secret. When you have hit that point where you feel like you've got writer's block, you've just got to walk away and do something else, take a break, and just blow the cobwebs out. People mm-hmm. tend to overwork, and they tend to over-obsess, and that's really what shuts down your creative process, and you've just got to step away. Know that when you have been at it all day, and you just cannot think of another thing. That's not your brain running out. That's your body just, you know, it's, it's just reached the limits of, you know, concentration, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's really a case of walking away, refreshing, and then coming back to it later and, and trying to make a fresh start. Mm-hmm. Now, would you recommend for, for anyone looking to break into the freelance world that they that they join up with communities like yours with, you know, go to Freelance Zone, learn more about it before you get into it so that you understand the monster that you're facing? You know, uh, every successful freelancer that I've ever read or spoken to, uh, and, and I did this too, did a lot of homework before they committed to it. And the reason is, is you know, there are all kinds of things to learn and secret handshakes. And, you know, the, you know, like all industries, we have our own jargon. And it's easy to tell when a newcomer is kind of fumbling around because, you know, they, they haven't learned all of the, the, the little the little things that you learn along the way. So, yeah, I, I strongly encourage people to get involved in online communities and talk to people who are doing it. I always have people saying, how do you, how do you break in and, you know, how do you, you know, how do you make it and, you know, what's your day like? And I, I think that the best thing you can do is to read a lot online and read some books and basically immerse yourself in the workings of this, this community of freelancers, you know, however loosely based we might be, and learn, you know, what, how people operate and, and look at, uh, I always tell people, hey, you look at freelancers' resume pages online. That gives you a really good idea of, you know, it might not be obvious at first, but how people do business. If you look at a list of somebody's clips, you know, the successful freelancers, you'll notice, tend to concentrate in certain areas. They have specialized uh, topics that they work on. And, you know, you don't see a lot of people doing, you know, the shotgun approach where they just they take any topic at all and, and make their living doing that. They tend to specialize, and that's one of the first things you learn is, like, you know, you've got areas of knowledge that you can draw on to write about. And those areas that you're already experienced in are the places where you should start because you don't have to start from scratch on, a, on that subject. Mm-hmm. You're drawing from your life. And so, yeah, yeah, uh, some study, some research, talking to people who are already active in the business, uh, that's all, those are all great things to do. Now, Joe, can we talk about my favorite subject matter for a second? 
Me? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> can, we, can you... Now, I want, I want you to give me some advice on how I can be a better editor for freelancers. You know, I'm, I'm always looking to keep that open form of communication. You know, I do try to um, deliver, uh, you know, deliver advice in, in a nice way. You know, I do try to give some, some good criticism, some good feedback. But in terms of looking for a really good editor, you know, someone that you're really comfortable working with and someone that you wouldn't mind coming back and working with again, what are some good tips for editors out there who might be working with freelancers? I've always felt that the the strongest advice has to do with the eminently practical. So, uh, you know, having been in the editor's chair myself, what I told writers who worked for me was, in the past, this has worked. Or if it was a specific, like if we were writing or uh, about a specific topic or writing for a specific client, I would say, you know, in the past, the client has expected A, B, and C. And I always try and find some sort of precedent to, to go on. And if I'm criticizing somebody's, somebody's actual writing, what I try and do is say, you know, this doesn't work as well as this approach. Or, you know, you should, you should t- tackle this from a different angle because I, I just think that anything that you can tell a, a writer, especially a struggling writer who isn't exactly sure why their stuff is being sent back, Explaining the whys always helps, I think, because writers who, who've never sat in the editor's chair, they don't have the perspective to know what these changes and alterations are all about, and they don't understand that, you know, maybe it's just a, a question of taste with the client, or there's a mechanical issue. It's like, you know, you're writing in third person, and then all of a sudden you switch to the first person, and it just doesn't read right. You know, it, it looks like a train wreck. I think that the more information they get about the mechanics of the changes and the alterations to the actual copy itself really helps because anytime they can see things through the editor's eyes, it gets a lot clearer, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, people who get rejection letters uh, when they submit queries, they don't realize sometimes that it's, it's not their ideas that the editor doesn't like. It's they didn't sell the idea well enough. And if they would, ju- if they could just have somebody tell them, well, you know, your opening was really weak. You didn't say why this is a, a, a good article, or you know how it's unique. You know, I, I just think that a few mechanics in those critiques and and and, and uh, criticisms is is always a good thing. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I'm going to take that feedback. I'm certainly going to use it. Thank you very much. <laughs> Um, any other parting advice for freelancers out there, Joe? You know, um, people who don't read can't write very well. And mm-hmm. I always tell people to read, read, read. And, you know, read the work of good writers and read the work of successful freelancers. Really, That really helps because you can see, you know, there's, a, there's style and there's tone issues and, you know, there are... There's a certain amount of polish that an experienced writer has that a newcomer doesn't necessarily have, and just you know dissecting those things. I mean, people who want to want to write horror read Stephen King, and you know people who want to write science fiction read Ray Bradbury, and you know there, there's a reason for that. Is you know these people have things about their work that made them successful, and you can learn a lot by studying that. But I also think you know that, that old wheeze, you know, a writer is somebody who writes. So if you're not currently writing, then you're not really moving yourself 
towards a freelance career. You should write, and you should write every day. You know, even if you're just blogging, you're still every time you use those creative muscles, you're you're improving your craft, and you're 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 working your craft, and that's that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. I would also say that it, it's you know it's certainly not limiting to admit that maybe you are a niche writer. You know, I, I get so many people who apply and they say, well, I, I write. You know, this is what I write best at. But don't worry, I can write about everything. I think it's it's okay from the perspective of an editor to sell yourself as being a niche writer. You know, this is this is the field that I write best in, and call me when you need that type of writing. You know, uh, medical writers or you know technical writers. Those are things that I always have projects that are that are highly niche specific, and it's a little bit easier for me to go out and and find those writers if I know exactly what your specialty is. So I think that that maybe from the editor for a. Uh, from the perspective of an editor, I'm not sure if you'll agree with me or not, but, you know, to sell yourself as a niche writer is, um, you know, for me, it's certainly not a limitation in who I hire. And what people don't realize is you can actually make more money doing that and, and instead of taking that scattershot approach and trying to write about everything. You know, if you're a niche writer and you've got a list of credits that all point towards that area of specialty you've got, that's a very strong package. You've, you're really selling yourself well, but if you've got an article here and an article there and an article about poker and an article about open-heart surgery, it's really hard for an editor to say, wow, you really do well in this area, you know, that they're it kind of makes it murkies up the waters a little bit, I think. Yep, yep. I, I completely agree with that. But I will say thank you so much. You've recommended some wonderful writers for Idea Launch and Life Tips in the past, and I, I know a lot of a lot of our great writers have come through your doors first. So I would recommend to anyone out there who's interested in learning more about freelance writing or just looking for you know a great community to to join up for for um, freelance writing support. I would certainly check out Freelance Dash Zone. Um, you know, Joe Wallace runs it over there, and if you have any questions, you're certainly welcome to uh, to pass it through Freelance Zone. Um, Joe, any other parting words today? Well, I, I would love to answer any questions that people have if you drop by the site and, and want to talk or, you know, talk about my experiences with life tips. Uh, I, I'm more than happy to uh, shoot the breeze and talk shop with people. So, yeah, uh, come one, come all. Awesome. It's a great site to go and learn more about, you know, just like you said, everything, uh, you know, places to travel, you know, writing uh, writing groups, you know, in your in your local area, how to be a better blogger. It really covers everything. So I highly recommend it. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. I learned a lot. I'm sure our audience learned a lot as well. And, um, you know, if anyone's looking to get in touch with Joe, check out freelance-zone.com. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Joe. Take care. And we'll be back next week, hopefully, with Byron. Um, So tune in next week at 4 p.m. for more Life Tips Radio. Until then, have a great week, everyone.